Welcome to the Remax Real Estate Insight Show. We start off today with a focus on the city of Detroit. There are many big projects going on within the city. We're going to take a look at the progress happening with them and we'll be discussing investing in Detroit real estate, single family, multi-unit or commercial, and what are some of the hottest up and coming areas for you to take a look at if you do want to invest now. And then millennial buyers, they make up a large percentage of home buyers in the market today. So knowing what they're looking for can help you better market your home to be attractive to them. We've got some things to look for that may not be top of mind for you. It has to do with pets, privacy, and home office space. Joining us is Dominic Procopio, a realtor with Remax First in Clinton Township, and Pam Belante, marketing director with Remax of Southeastern Michigan. All of this is coming up next on the Remax Real Estate Insight Show on 760 WJR. to the Remax Real Estate Insight Show. I'm your host, Jeanette Schneider. You know, the city of Detroit continues to capture attention and some media buzz with all the developments going on and the positive news on many fronts. We've definitely seen the opening of some restaurants, hotels, other businesses, and we have ongoing projects like the train station, the old Hudson site, and many more. Beyond that lies the residential neighborhoods and the opportunity for both residential and commercial investment. Joining me to talk about what's happening in Detroit is Dominic Procopio. He is a realtor with Remax First in Clinton Township. Welcome actually back to the show, Dominic. We spoke to you about a year ago. We did. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, I guess let's let's start off maybe talking about the big projects, if you will. Sure. I know Curbed Detroit, I uh, kind of put together a list earlier this year of 12 big developments. One mm-hmm. of them included the, the train depot. Yes. Uh, you kind of had some popularity after that announcement when you had a listing that came on the market. So I know you know that area well. Mm-hmm. What's going on in that area? How how are things developing? It's uh, it's taken off uh, rather nicely, obviously, with the uh, with the announcement of the train station. There's uh, quite a few condo developments that have uh, uh, also had some very favorable results, like the uh, the towns at the corner, mm-hmm. the old uh, Tiger Stadium area there, yep. as well as Bagley 10 is a uh, That's a really becoming something, isn't it? Really it really is. It really is. I believe there's only one or two of those left. Really? Correct. There was uh, 10 units there, um, and a little bit more upscale, if you if you would, to the uh, the towns, but um, in that 720, 750 mm-hmm. price point with rooftops, beautiful, uh, beautiful architecture there as well. Absolutely. So things are going well. I mean, kind of what we thought would happen is happening then in that it is it is correct and uh, quite a bit of development uh, ongoing as well Um, so uh, mr suave uh, anthony suave has got a a huge development going on uh speculated at two 14 story uh buildings mixed use and retail Um, i've got some investors right now looking at some off-market stuff uh, within a block of that area okay Um, and we're looking at uh you know potentially uh putting anywhere from 40 to 50 units there uh, typically uh, townhouses or condos. Mm-hmm. And then there's also some affordable housing going on in the, uh, in the yeah, area Yeah, which is well. the other interesting aspect of it. There is an eye towards that Correct. so that it doesn't become all kind of new shiny that not everybody can afford. Exactly. And that's sort of been the uh, the misconception of uh, can I pay $400, $500 a square foot to, <laughs> right. live, to live in this footprint and enjoy Michigan Avenue. Um, and there's going to be some options, obviously, for that. Well, that's nice to hear. Now, some other big projects are the Hudson's you know, site, the mm-hmm. Monroe Blocks, yes. East Riverfront. I mean, I'm, I'm not just... There are others, but yes. those are some that come to mind. Sure. From your perspective, kind of, 
you know, your finger on the pulse. Mm-hmm. How are those projects coming along, and, and are there offshoots from all of them? That's as a great, well? yeah, great question, Jeanette. And the uh, you know, obviously, the Hudson's building is the is the gigantic monster out there right now. <laughs> they've been they've been digging the footings and the uh, and the foundation for uh, over a year or so. Um, this sort of goes hand in hand with Mr. Gilbert, and and as uh, a lot of people know, um, you know, yeah. he fell ill with a stroke. Unfortunately, made a great comeback. Um, announced uh, uh, to his uh, to his staff and a lot of his employees that he's back, mm-hmm. um, and it's that that's a great uh, a great thing uh, that uh, that he's back. Um, but there's there's been some delays uh, through the through the grapevine mm-hmm. through the engineering department of Detroit. Some of the people that I deal with on the commercial aspect, um, there's been delays on that Hudson building. Um, they also are not. Uh, um, uh, supposed to now go up to the 900 feet. Yeah, I had heard that was yes, kind of recent and, and news. potentially be the biggest building. Um, I'm sure this caused Mr. Gilbert a lot of stress. <laughs> <laughs> Which is um, kind of the last thing he needs correct, right now. Correct, correct. But, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, still planned. Um, a, a lot of mixed use, a lot of luxury, obviously, in that footprint. Um, but, again, there's there's been delays um, is what I hear. Same with the Monroe. Yeah. Uh, project, a lot of delays. Uh, these things are going to, um, you know, stimulate the market as far as price per square foot. Um, you know, there's there's a ton of people downtown right now, and and again, we uh, we can uh, attribute that back to to Mr. Gilbert. Uh, no one's no one's uh, developed this city in a ten year span like uh, like he has. No Henry Ford, no Mike Illich. I mean, he's he's been a catalyst in a lot of this. Which I think was why there was some concern, not only obviously first and foremost for his personal health, Absolutely. you know, and for and for his family, mm-hmm. but he is such a big part of the city. He is. And so he when is, he fell yes. fell ill, there was some concern about what this might mean. Absolutely. I actually had uh, a couple of investors go on hold uh, that were looking at some bigger lots downtown and wanted to see uh, if he was going to recover, you know, if uh, if his counterparts were going to take over. Uh, but he does have a great staff, obviously. He's uh, he's not the one-man show that, that people... Uh, that he may be portrayed, because that's correct. the name that's always out correct. there in the in the news. Correct, correct. Well, earlier, or late last year, my father had had a stroke, so I know a little bit about what his family's going through. I mean, mm-hmm. every family situation is going to be different, but we certainly wish him yeah, know, all the, the best, best. Best of luck. The be- best yeah, of luck. the best yes. on, on yes. all fronts there. So with all of these big developments, they're kind of what gets a lot of the press. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like there's wonderful opportunities for folks in Detroit right now. Yes. And I know when you were here last year that you kind of had a list of reasons why Detroit is mm-hmm. a good place to invest in now. Mm-hmm. Has anything changed or are all of those reasons those, and kind of what are those reasons? Yeah, that's that's a, that's a great point. And, you know, the consistency has stayed. Um, uh, obviously, there's some new development uh, areas on the residential multifamily side. But uh, for the most part, prices per square foot are, are increasing. Um, certain neighborhoods are seeing, you know, uh, double-digit increases in equity values. Um, I, I follow the closed mortgages as well mm-hmm. um, and, and use those for valuation. Um, so we're seeing a ton more closed mortgages as rates are super favorable right now. They, they're uh, they're at the lowest in a long time, and I, I see that they're going to go lower as well. Which is interesting because that wasn't what was forecasted for this year. No, not at all. So we're talking with Dominic Procopio from Remax First about what's happening in Detroit. After the break, we're going to continue this conversation and discuss maybe single-family versus multifamily unions as far as an investment strategy, as well as maybe how a commercial investment can be an asset for your portfolio. And later, we're going to be talking about some of the features millennial buyers are looking for in a home today. And before you think you know what they are, you may be surprised of some of the things that are a priority for them. Stay tuned for more of the Remax Real Estate Insight Show here on 760 WJR. You are listening 
listening to the Remax Real Estate Insight Show, and we're talking about Detroit. It's a popular place for investors these days. So what's happening on the investment front? And if, if maybe you've considered investing, were you thinking of a single family home? Have you thought about a multifamily unit or maybe even a commercial property? I'm your host, Jeanette Schneider, and joining me once again is Dominic Procopio. He is a realtor with Remax First in Clinton Township. He's very familiar with the Detroit uh, real estate scene. And Dominic, you work with a lot of investors. I think that's a fair statement. Um, Are most of the clients you're working with in-state, in Detroit, or primarily out-of-state, out-of-country? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a decent mix. I've got uh, local investors. They're, they're typically only about 10% of my, uh, of my client base. Most of them are uh, domestically out of the, uh, out of the area here, um, uh, anywhere from Jersey to California to mm-hmm. Denver to Texas. Um, we do have a lot of people from the east, though, uh, Boston, uh, Jersey, New York, that I, uh, that I work with. Okay. They're very interested in the city based on prices, prices per square foot, and obviously the growth. So we've got a lot of opportunity that other folks are investing in, yes. uh, maybe not as much you know, here locally. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Let's say that we've got somebody listening right now that maybe you know they've been watching the market. They know Detroit's kind of going through a good spell right now. There are opportunities there. And they might be thinking, well, maybe I'll dip my toe in uh, you know, buying a property. Mm-hmm. Uh, single family resident would be what comes to mind. Sure. But you're saying multifamily units are an option as well. That may not be the first thing people think about. Mm-hmm. Pros and cons or you know, pluses and minuses between single family and a multi-unit from sure, your perspective? Sure. A lot, of, a lot of investors have their own philosophy that they've used in other markets. This is sort of an anomaly to other markets. <laughs> so it's still sort of the wild west here uh, when, you, when you look at certain things that are needed from the city as far as uh, certifications for lead and Mm -hmm. for rentals and so on. But the question that you pose is a good question. Um, uh, A lot of individuals think that they can jump right into a multifamily property because they've got two individuals or they've got uh, three or four. A multifamily is usually a one to four. um, And and can get additional rent, obviously multiplying their rent on a monthly basis. Uh, The problems that may come with that are parking, separate metering, um, the tenants getting along. No, um, you mean that yeah. you put multiple people under one roof and they may not all like so each other. So these are these are these are some of the aspects that people look at. Uh, the other aspect of a single family, it's a little bit easier. And I and I I get the novice people, if you will, or some of the some of the investors that are just starting. I like to see them go into single families. Um, typically, uh, there's more inventory available. That was going to be my next question. Price, How does inventory work? Yes, on that? price points are uh, lower. Uh, um, and as far as uh, managing that property, um, again, they can be their own landlord, or, or we can refer some property managers. But again, there's a lot more options for price point as well as inventory. Typically right now in the market, um, if you go above the uh, the multifamily one to four or five units right mm-hmm. now, f- uh, the one to fours versus five, there's 80 times more uh, um, one to four units than there are wow. five units, you know, typically apartments or, mm-hmm. or more. Mm-hmm. Single family versus uh, a multifamily, same type of thing, about 60 times more single families available than there are multifamilies. So obviously your options are better at that point. Right. I'm going to get it. It's it's sort of a case by case, too. I do like to pose a lot of questions sort of on a a planning or an economic Mm -hmm. uh, basis so I could be a trusted advisor to my my clients of what type of money do they have? Do they have a management place, uh, you know, a a property manager in place? Um, What are their expectations? Um, And again... 
there's there's some good options with multifamily if uh, if those properties are available and then they do have the appetite for those as well. Like I said, part of this overall it sounds like you're, you want to understand their bigger plan because this is probably a piece of a bigger financial puzzle. Yes. And, and from your perspective as that trusted advisor, understanding how this plays in with everything else. Sure, sure, and it's and it's it's real important, especially if they're starting out. Um, you know, we we have a lot of people that come in with a certain amount of money. They want to uh, take fifty or a hundred thousand dollars, and they want to typically buy everything cash. I, I uh, suggest financing quite a bit. Ah, my next question: yeah. You're reading my mind here because that's what <laughs> yes. I was going to say. Because you hear yeah. a lot of times investors have cash, and mm-hmm. then that becomes king as far as the deals Absolutely. go. If I'm new, can I get financing, sure. or do I need to go cash? Mm-hmm. And you're saying I, I you recommend financing? Absolutely. If it's you know the, the again, it's a twofold thing, double edged sword. So typically, if we we have a very favorable investment property and we want to score that property, cash Cash is going to outbeat a a conventional or a a mortgage or a hard money offer. Um, However, there's still a lot of options out there. And for instance, everybody sort of has this number. I I have $100,000 and uh, I want to spend it. I want to buy a house. Okay. I typically suggest that they may look at getting multiple houses and taking that amount of money and spread it out for down payments. Example, um, $25,000 times four, $100,000. Let's look at four properties um, on that basis uh, if they want to get into the game like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the arbitrage is there. They, uh, they've put the money out, uh, only a quarter of the uh, of the initial investment, then they can finance the rest. And when we start looking at the uh, the net operating income, and then as far as the uh, the profit potential, obviously it's exponential compared to just uh, putting just $100,000 down. On, on one. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Correct. And rates are right now at a, like I said, an all-time low. That bond yield is well below 2% right now. So that's a, a very favorable spot in the market right now. So yeah, if you, I have been considering it, mm-hmm. I'm not saying to jump, but I mean, at least start asking questions. If you've been sitting yes. there thinking about it, mm-hmm. get out, talk to someone like yourself and, sure. and find out what your options really are. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little about commercial because I think most po- most folks might tend to skew towards residential first. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's where their maybe comfort zone is. Right. Commercial, they may not be as familiar with if they haven't done it before, but you're saying commercial can be a good part of a, a portfolio as well. I, yeah, I agree. And I, I, I do uh, I do quite a bit of commercial. Um, in, and uh, the reason for that is there's a, there's a ton of people that are self-employed. Again, when I when I talk to my clients, I usually go through a, a simple intake form mm-hmm. to see exactly what they're looking for. What do they do? So if you're self-employed, uh, what what a better scenario if you could actually buy a building and not pay rent? You pay yourself rent, and then and maybe sounds use the, like a good idea. Yeah, use the rest of the building, uh, you know, and, and gain some uh, income opportunities for that. Uh, the other thing with commercial is it's it's really taken off right now. Okay. Um, it's at a highest point uh, that I've seen in in the last twenty years as far as valuations, as far as uh, price per square foot. The other option, again, as we as we uh, sort of digress back to the to the mm-hmm. uh, lending options, mm-hmm. okay. So SBA SBA loans, small business right. association loans, they're at a thirty three percent thirty three year low right now. Okay. Wow, thirty three year that's thirty three year low on SBA loans right now. Uh, so those are very favorable. They take a little bit longer to originate. However, again, this is another option for people to purchase. Okay. And again, uh, the the scenarios uh, that people maybe they don't know. Okay. Well, what what do I do with the commercial building? What are the taxes like? Right. How do I how do I maintain the the building? These are all things that we can help the clients with. Because uh, there's there's a management companies for that sure. as well. I mean, there are other options sure. out there. Sure. And then you know the other the other aspect is. Um, 
Uh, again, uh, we go back to the financing, okay? Some of the individuals that have owned these buildings for a long time and want to liquidate them right now because the market's high, they'll actually engage in land contracts. I'm working on a few right now. Okay. So, again, self-employed, maybe you can't qualify for a conventional mortgage on your tax returns right. and so on. A lot of these uh, sellers of commercial properties will engage in land contracts. I've, I've got a couple of them right now that I'm working on like that. So that opens up opportunities. It's a huge opportunity. Yeah. And, and some of these can be assumable. We put no prepays on them, and it gives them a different type of leverage on that type of building to look at uh, what type of rent I can get. Mm-hmm. Um, again, am I going to move in? Can I get a group to move in? And, you know, upgrading these buildings, traffic count, there's a lot of different things uh, to, to look at. But uh, could be a great thing for, for someone that uh, is looking to put uh, this into a portfolio and for some type of retirement as well. Absolutely. Well, before we let you go, I wanted to ask you hot up-and-coming neighborhoods. We're yeah. hearing all sorts of things. Sure. I mean, Midtown <laughs> and Corktown are kind of seem like old news. So tell me what Correct. else is going on out there that's hot and popular. Correct. So the North End is really hot right now. The North End is going to be uh, right outside of Boston Edison um, in the uh, 48201 zip code okay. bordering Highland Park. Um, so what we're seeing there is we got some new construction going on there. Um, li- as little as a year ago, um, prices were in the 40s, 50s, 60s. Now they're exceeding $100,000. A lot of old, archaic, uh, um, historic type of homes mm-hmm. that are great for renovation. Um, there's lots for sale. There's teardowns. Um, there's fire damage in that area as well. Okay. The border, again, it's uh, it's it's pretty much real estate 101. <laughs> you go around the Boston Edison area. Right. Okay. And we're looking at, you know, 100 to, you know, 120 a square foot. I can jump in at 40, 50 a square foot. Um, on the outskirts of that. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks so much to yeah. Dominic Procopi. The time goes so fast when you're in for sharing <laughs> so much information about what's happening in the city and the investment opportunities. Talk to someone like Dominic if you've got any questions about getting involved as an investor in Detroit. Coming up next, millennials make up a large percentage of the first-time buyers in our market. So what exactly are they looking for in a home? You may be surprised to learn what matters to them. And here's a hint. Pets and privacy do. Now, REMAX agents enjoy working with buyers to find the home or the investment property of their dreams. In fact, REMAX agents help someone buy or sell a home every 30 seconds. So go to REMAXrealestateinsights.com to look for properties or an agent near you. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more of the REMAX Real Estate Insight Show here on 760 WJR. listening to the Remax Real Estate Insight Show, and I'm your host, Jeanette Schneider. According to a National Association of Realtors survey, millennials represent 66% of all first-time buyers and 37% of all home purchases. Well, why is this important? Well, because chances are pretty good that a millennial-aged person may be a likely buyer for your home. And we all know that millennials are well-known for doing an exhaustive amount of research before buying anything, even some something as simple as, say, a sweater, because they want to find that exact perfect piece. So you can bet their searching is going to take on a whole new importance when they're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy a home, and they're going to want to find the perfect one. So joining me for a discussion about how to make your home maybe that perfect one is Pam Belante. She is the marketing director with Remax of Southeastern Michigan. Welcome, Pam. Yeah. Hi, Jeanette. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. So just to set the stage, when we say millennials, these are folks that are now between the ages of 21 and 39 years old, um, you know, and that age span 
can really represent some different needs. I mean, that's a pretty broad you know, spectrum. So we can find some nuances within this generation, can't we? Yeah, that's correct. So uh, when you're looking at um, your older millennials, those ones that are like 30 to 39, they could be people that are, um, you know, thinking getting married, maybe starting a family, growing their family. Uh, maybe they're looking at relocating for their job. Mm-hmm. And then your younger millennials that, you know, in their 20s, yeah. they're... Um, finishing college, uh, maybe starting their career. So within that generation, you're looking at um, potential, you know, significant amount of people that potentially could be first-time home buyers or move-up buyers. Or move-up buyers, as yeah. now they're getting closer to that 40-year-old mark, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> so there's been quite a bit of chatter over the past several years, I think just in the media in general, that um, millennials weren't going to be interested in owning a home, but that's turning out not to be true, correct? Correct. Yeah, that is not true. Um, as a matter of fact, a recent survey put on by the uh, National Association of, Re- of Realtors, um, 60% of uh, millennials under 30, so that kind of like 28 mm-hmm. and under, expressed an interest in having a home. And for that was the largest percentage in that age range. So um, even though you, we know that this particular group of uh, this particular generation, if you will, has a higher um, student loan debt, right. they still are interested in buying a home. So that American dream, it, it hasn't escaped them. I mean, and, and yeah, so it's just kind of interesting because we kind of heard that this was going to, you know, home ownership was going to kind of die with this generation. And that's yeah. not at all, you know, that's, the case. Right. Which leads us to wonder, what does this large pool of potential home buyers look for in a home? Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned earlier, they love to search. They like right. to compare. Um, so they're going to take this to a whole new level, aren't they? Yeah, that's right. Um, so what is um, what good agents need to do is to provide a lot of photos of homes, um, provide videos or 3D tours if possible mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, to give those millennials a chance to really see what the home looks like, to give them that chance to feel what it, what it's going to be like to live in that home. Because um, we know that they're going to be pulling up, right? They're going to be doing other searches in the same area, right. you know, comparing kitchen to kitchen, bathroom to bathroom um, to find out what really meets their needs. Absolutely. And beyond a clean and and move-in ready home, you know, there are some specific things. And one of those things is a dedicated office space. Um, This is a generation that values working remotely, uh, probably more than maybe some other generations. And they have jobs that typically are going to allow that flexible work schedule. On top of that, several of them are more of an entrepreneurial mindset, or they have those side hustles, you know, as well. So fair fair statement on all of that? Yeah, fair statement. So, you know, having an office, uh, designated to um, to work or a place where they can kind of mix that work and play um, is very important to them compared to generations prior. So how do I make then a dedicated office space an attractive feature in my home if I'm going to be selling it? Yeah. So um, if you have a, a, a home, you know, a, a spot in your house that's big enough, a room in your house that's big enough that you can dedicate to a home office, that's awesome. So, um, you know, think of maybe like a spare bedroom mm-hmm. um, that's, you know, obviously no longer being used as a bedroom, you know, you can move the furniture out and you know turn that Put into an office into. space. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that, that's when I work from home. That's yeah. exactly exactly what <laughs> that's we've done. Yeah, that's where mine is. <laughs> yep. So converting a converting what had previously been a bedroom, if you have the ability to not need one, you know, right. converting a space like like that. I think another you know some other options that come to my mind are if you have the home that had the dining room in your floor plan. 
Mm-hmm. Can we all be honest and say most people actually don't use the formal yeah. dining room as yeah. a dining room? <laughs> and, you know, that could be used, converted, you know, again, to, to office space or, or something like that, maybe the corner of a family room. What other tips do you have to make that home or a personal workspace, whatever we want to call it, more appealing? Yeah, to make it more appealing. So you want to depersonalize the space, um, especially if, if you happen to be using that space um, maybe for work yourself. So, mm-hmm. you know, take down personal photos, um, take down, maybe have some kid art, you know, mm-hmm. um, laying around. Get rid of that. Get rid of d- maybe a diploma if you have that, right. you know, laying around um, just to so that the the potential buyer could envision themselves in that workspace. Okay. Um, and yeah. depersonalize. We've, we hear that. We've said that before on the yeah. show, you know, for other parts of the house. So it holds true, you know, here as well. Absolutely. And I think another thing we can, you can do is, I mean, again, if, if you've got the space to do it is, you know, maybe throw a nice comfortable chair in there, maybe a throw, you know, just something that lets them kind of envision themselves sinking in. It doesn't always have to be just the desk. I mean, it can right. be some other furnishings in there as well. Sure. Absolutely. Alrighty. So a second feature that millennials want in a home is a big kitchen, right? Open oh, yeah. floor plan. We Open, hear this a lot, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> we hear this a lot. Um, so they view the kitchen as a central hangout. Um, they want that space large enough to um, be with the family, but to entertain as well. You know, so mm-hmm. it serves as, you know, several functions within the home. Um, so they want the that room to have, you know, a few walls, nice open sight lines, um, just basically that open floor plan that we hear so much about. Well, I mean, in... I mean, they do enjoy entertaining. I mean, I think you know, every generation to some degree does. But I mean, this group, you know, they like that collaborative. They like having people over. They like to do all of that. So this really does matter to them, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if the fewer walls and um, the more open the floor plan, the, you know, the better, the better, the for, better it is for yeah. them. Yeah, so absolutely. then I guess this would have me ask, is it worth, if I'm a seller, is it worth removing if I have like a non-load bearing wall? Right. Um, if I have a couple of cabinets that might be kind of the visual and pediment between the kitchen and let's say family room or you know seating area or something like that and I can easily remove them should I remove them I mean is it is it that important so we recommend that you talk to your local realtor first, um, someone who really knows the local market, knows the neighborhood, um, and get their input on that first. Um, maybe they can tell you what has recently sold and what the kitchens in those houses, um, you know, what they did look like. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly you can remove cupboards, you know, cabinets, you can maybe knock down some walls, but before you go and spend that time and, and you know, and spend that money, mm-hmm. um, you know, talk to the realtor first and make sure that it really will be helpful for you. Yeah, because I mean, while this is a you know kind of a general statement, you know, real estate is local and you yeah, yep. find out what's going on in your local area right. is what you're saying. Exactly. Okay. So this leads us kind of while we're in that kitchen conversation, another thing that millennials desire um, is updated kitchens and bathrooms. 77% of them state they want new appliances in the kitchen. Yeah. So important? Yeah. Uh, so it is important. Um, you have to remember, I mentioned this earlier, you know, this generation has a lot of those student loans, a lot of debt. So it takes a lot for them just to save money for the down payment and any other expenses that, right. you know, are incurred, right, with uh, buying a home. So um, they don't want to have to spend the money. Maybe they don't even have the money to buy new appliances. So that is actually very important to them. Okay, so if you've got a you know home that maybe is, you know the home itself is a little you know older, well maintained you know, but the appliances are getting kind of long in the tooth. Yeah, you know you may want to upgrade those because that 
the little bit of money you spend on that, you'll get back in the offer you know, from, from them. Right. And in both kitchens and baths, I mean, just kind of another design tip, I guess, if you will, um, millennials often use their phones, you know, in both a kitchen for recipes and things of that nature. In the bath bathroom, they're streaming videos often while getting ready for work or, you know, some of the ladies for makeup tips or, you know, whatnot. So having a shelf or a ledge or something that allows those devices to charge easily, mm-hmm. not get wet. Also important, also important to that group. <laughs> <laughs> so Pam's going to stay here. And when we come back, we're going to pick up our conversation about some other things that millennials are looking for in a home. And some of these have to do with pets and privacy. If you're looking for some short articles with tips on buying, selling, or maybe just general home ownership, you can go to RemaxRealEstateInsights.com. On this website, you can click the Explore Articles box. That's going to take you to a blog, which has tips and information that are specifically designed for buyers, for sellers, and homeowners. Now, these are quick articles, provide some timely tips, answer some frequently asked questions, again, for buyers, sellers, and owners. You don't need to register. You don't need to create an account. Couldn't be more simple. It's all there for you anytime. So just go to RemaxRealEstateInsights.com. And we'll be right back with more of the Remax Real Estate Insights show here on 760 WJR. To the Remax Real Estate Insight Show. We're talking about some of the things that millennial buyers are looking for in a home, and these may not be the things that automatically come to mind. What we've just shared is they often like a dedicated home office or a private workspace. They're going to value new appliances in the kitchen. So if your appliances are on the older side, getting some new ones may help make your home more appealing to those buyers. Now, I'm your host, Jeanette Schneider, and back with me is Pam Bellante. She is the marketing director with Remax of Southeastern Michigan. So, Pam, just to kind of recap, we were, you know, constantly reading and hearing that millennials weren't going to be interested in buying houses. We've demythed that. That's not true, correct? That is not true, right. They uh, are absolutely interested in buying homes. <laughs> they make up a large pool of our buyer market. So. All right. Mm-hmm. So we've got that set. Then we heard they weren't going to want to live in the suburbs, that rather this was going to be the generation that wanted to live in the city or more urban environments. Correct. Where are we on that? Yeah. So, I mean, that is true. I mean, a lot of people have kind of written on this or researched this, and they do. You know, they did find that that millennials, more though the younger ones, mm-hmm. are interested more in those condos, townhouses, loft-type living, mm-hmm. um, you know, in that urban setting. Um, but again, this is specifically, you know, more true for that younger age millennial. Right. In the early part of the show, we were just talking about some of those developments coming to the city. So it's yeah. a good match. So for those getting out of college where they desire that urban environment, the great news is in Metro Detroit, Detroit City itself, there's going to be options. A lot of opportunity for that. Yeah. I kind of laugh when we're talking about this because I'm thinking, you know, every child always says they're not going to be like their parents, right? Yeah. But history tends to repeat itself. (laughs) (laughs) And we're seeing a trend with that millennial generation as well. As they age, as they get a job, as they start families or, or have a growing and expanding family, they are choosing to move to the suburbs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also in part they like to live by family and friends, and that's quite frankly where a lot of family and friends do live. Right. So another thing I think that brings them out there, and this matters to millennials, it's finding a home that works for their pets. <laughs> yep. To the tune of 89% of millennial buyers have a pet 
and their pet needs factor into their home buying decision. So what can a seller do, I guess, to maybe highlight or feature or make their home pet friendly? Yeah, so um, certainly having a nice yard with uh, room for the dog to run is going to be a good selling point. Um, And if, you know, millennials are going to look for that or they're going to maybe look for a park that's nearby, you know, that they can, um, you know, have a place for their pet to to exercise. Um, But, you know, if you're able to have a fence in your yard, um, you know, to keep your dog safe while he's playing in the yard. That's perfect. Um, you're going to want to make sure, though, that that fence is in good repair. You know, make sure there's no holes, cracks, you know, missing boards, that type any, of thing. Any of that type yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because I think, you know, there for many years, the subdivisions were all kind of anti-fence, right? They wanted yeah. that kind of open, you know, clean look. I'm um, interested to see if down the road this is a flip that happens. Yeah, again, yeah. You know, <laughs> see and, fences more. Yeah, you start to yeah. see, yeah, more, more fences there. And I just find it interesting how much of an impact, you know, pets have in purchasing decisions as a whole. Mm-hmm. And we're definitely seeing that on the real estate side. Right. Now, something that may not be necessarily top of mind in this regard, unless perhaps, you know, as a listener, you have a pet yourself, is that you don't want any plants in your yard or have been using chemicals or gardening supplies that could be harmful to pets. So if you know what's in your landscaping and you have firsthand knowledge that, you know, everything you've planted, they're not toxic, they're not going to be a problem for the pet, you may want to label them or maybe create a like a fact sheet that yeah. you can share with potential buyers. Yeah, right? absolutely. Um, that's very helpful for buyers. And, you know, keep in mind your mulch, any of your weed killers, um, you know, th- anything that you've used in your yard. And even if you used organic or natural materials, you know, make a note of that as well. Yeah. Because, I mean, you don't know. I mean, I don't know that I recognize on site, right. you know, whether or not something was organic or, or, I mean, I'm just probably not that good of a gardener <laughs> to, yeah, right, to know right. on site <laughs> what plants are, are healthy for pets and which ones aren't. Yes. Now, something else I read is that pet owners appreciate uh, a grooming station. Now, I'm going to guess that for a lot of folks, having a full-on grooming station in their home isn't something that they're <laughs> going to reasonably accommodate. But maybe, you know, a work or a laundry tub, if you've got a mudroom or putting one in the basement, you know, that could be something that they're like, okay. I can take care of the pet's grooming needs here, not in the tub I'm using every yeah, day. So yeah. that, that could put, go over well. Anything else on pets that folks should be aware of? Yeah, you know, actually pet doors um, are popular. Um, and also having a pet supply uh, store nearby and pet-friendly restaurants. So okay. um, those are certain things that, you know, when you have a pet that these people are looking for. And um, so if you do have these items, you know, mention them to your agent. Mm-hmm. Um, your agent might already be aware, but, you know, it, if they're going to be bringing buyers through that are, you know, have a pet and are interested in those things, it's good for them to good, know Good for it. them to know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Yep. Now, something else that millennials place a high value on is privacy. I'm going to admit this one I found interesting. <laughs> as I don't think any other generation has given away more information about themselves, yeah. you know, as far as photos and being online and here's where I'm at and here's where I'm eating and here's the concert I'm going to, but yet they do place a premium on privacy. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so they really want to be able to enjoy their living space without having, you know, prying eyes from neighbors or nosy neighbors, that type <laughs> of thing. Um, so this could really be as simple as a backyard, um, you know, with uh, trees and shrubs to give them, you know, that, that privacy. And, um, you know, they really do do actually unplug from tech. Are you sure <laughs> technology about that? <laughs> once in a while? So you know when they do, they just want to feel comfortable and have a nice green space to go and kind of unwind. And so I look at the state really. The more things change, the more they stay the same, right? Yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's it's another reason I think why the suburbs you know then become a popular choice. Sure. You know, because typically in most cases, homes in the suburbs they come with a little bit larger yards, allow a little bit more privacy. If that's something that you value, because I mean, again, these are kind of general statements. Some will. Gen- you know, value that more than others. Um, but 
in theory, you're not quite so much on top of your neighbor when you're out in the in the burbs. Yeah, correct. Correct. And earlier we spoke about how they like to entertain. So I think, again, outdoor you know, dining, patios, decks, things of that nature play well with this group as well. Mm-hmm. So we were just talking about wanting privacy, enjoying the outdoors. Now we're going to pivot and yeah. we're going to go to what I think a lot of people thought we were going to talk about, yeah. <laughs> which is smart yeah. tech and smart homes. So what are some of the smart tech they like to see in a home? Yeah. So, you know, this generation is very comfortable with technology. So um, they're looking for things like keyless doors, the ones that you can, you know, lock or unlock from your phone. Um, there's the lighting and thermostats that you can um, can be programmed uh, via your phone, mm-hmm. you know, via an app on your phone or by voice. Um, they do seem to really like the voice activated systems. Um, and also, also those security cameras, both internal and external, okay. um, you know, similar like to the ring system. Something like something that. Something like that. Well, yeah. I mean, because millennials, as far as a generation go, they're going to be more apt to rent out their house. I mean, if they're out of town on vacation and they do like to travel, mm-hmm. they're more likely to have theirs on Airbnb than, you know, to be making some income off of it while they're gone. Sure. Or if they're traveling for work. So the keyless entries make that easier. The security systems, you know, help them. And if they're getting into that type of uh, activity, certainly helps them have a little freedom, flexibility, you know, Know, and and control mm-hmm. and realistically they're willing to usually pay a little bit more for smart homes too correct yeah that is correct all righty so I guess one other thing we want to you know at least at least one other thing is can't talk about Millennials without talking about energy efficient or, <laughs> or green homes they're yep. definitely more socially conscious than previous generations what do they like to see as far as that end of things go right so they like homes that are designed to conserve energy water and gas um, things that have lesser impact on the environment so um, they're going to want to know if the insulation has a higher R value um, they're going to look for those double hung windows and a more efficient you know central heating and air system. Okay, so that's going to matter to them. And it was funny because like programmable thermostats, that can be a smart home feature, you know, and it can also be a energy Uh, green feature. Yeah, so that would be one of them that, you know, could really resonate. So let me ask you this. Um, We're not going to say that you necessarily have to change everything in your home, but... If you were somebody that's selling your home, should you make some of these upgrades? Is it worth doing? Yeah. So you could probably, um, an easy upgrade would be that programmable thermostat, right? That would be an easy easy upgrade and maybe even the ring system. Um, But again, before you jump out and spend that money, you know, talk to a REMAX agent and see if if that is important in your area and if that's going to help you sell the home. And one of the things I was saying, depending on, you know, who the person is, you know, don't put in the keyless entry if that's going to frustrate you, you know, for the the next several months you're living (laughs) in there. Well, thanks to Pam Belante from REMAX of Southeastern Michigan for joining me to talk about some of the things that are important to millennial buyers and what they're looking for in a home today. We also want to thank Dominic Procopio from REMAX First for taking us inside the city of Detroit, sharing a peek at the development and the exciting things happening within the city and some of the things to know if you want to invest. You know, we want to hear from you, our listeners. If you have any questions, whether it's a general real estate question or something we've covered on the show, we're definitely here from you. Just go to RemaxRealEstateInsights.com, click on the contact tab. There you're going to find an email address, links to our social media pages. Just get in touch with us. We're here to listen. And we appreciate your listening to our show. And join us again next week here on 760 WJR. WJR.